You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. One of the things that I really felt impressed to um, to talk about uh, this past week, and the Lord I, it probably is a little different than this morning, it definitely would be different tonight than was this morning. But just to talk about the fact that God has called us to be a knowing people. We're not supposed to be uh, unknowing or ignorant of things. We're supposed to be knowing. We're supposed to be in the know. We're supposed to know what's going on uh, in the world, definitely, in terms of times and seasons and, and just what's happening. Um, that doesn't mean we need to oversaturate ourselves with information uh, or with news, things like that. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the problems I think that we have in the world is we have a lot of information. We have an oversaturation of information. You can turn on your phone. I've got on my phone, I probably need to get one of the smarter, younger people to help me figure it out, but it automatically throws news things, widgets or something up there. I don't know, something like that. And it gives me news stuff that I don't even want because most of it's like from the Communist News Network or Meet the Depressed or something like that. And so I don't even want to read most of that stuff. But we, we just get oversaturated with information. But what we really need is we need revelation. And so there's a lot of, and even in, even in church, even amongst Christians, you know, and, and most of it with good heart, we'll pass a lot of information back and forth. But what we really need, and those things can be good, I'm not, not downing that, but what we really need is we need revelation. We need the Spirit of God to breathe life to our hearts and our thinking and cause the curtains to be pulled back to where we can properly see what's going on, what he's communicating, and what he's wanting us to know. The truth is, is that, you know, the Christian life is not about coming into this knowledge and then stopping and saying, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven for the rest of my life. That's a good place to start, but that's only where you start. The Christian life is a process of working out that relationship with the Lord. And part of the reason the Holy Spirit was given to us was to teach us, is to instruct us, uh, and is to reveal things to us. Because there are things that we do not know. I'll be the first to tell you, there are some things that I do not know. <laughs> and I, I say it like this often, the more I know, the less I know. I feel like the more I learn about the Lord, the more I learn about myself, the more I, I study his word, it's like the less I, I feel like I know because there's so much that God has. He is so vast. He is an incredible God with so many aspects and so many dynamics and, and so many parts to him and to his kingdom and to the spiritual realm. There's so much that we just don't know that God wants us to know. And there's many things in the Bible, and we're going to look at some of these tonight, that show us that God not only wants us to know things, to know the things of the Spirit. We're talking about revelation. We're talking about appealing back to where we can see into the spiritual realm. We can have understanding of the Word and of spiritual things. There is so much that God wants us to know, and He's given us the ability to be able to know it. The Bible says, and if we have time, we'll get there tonight, that we have the mind of Christ 
And in context, when it's talking about the mind of Christ, it's not talking about the ability to do good on a test. I went to private school and we always prayed that we would do good on the test because we have the mind of Christ. And uh, that's not a bad way to pray that. I mean, I suppose that's that's good and believe in God to get a good grade on your test or whatever. But the reason we have the mind of Christ and what it means, and again, I'm going to get there, I'm getting ahead of myself, is that we have the capacity, we have the spiritual capacity, and this is for every single believer. This isn't just for the super dupers. This isn't just for the pastor. It's not just for the, you know, the, the big name evangelist or whatever. This is for the everyday common disciple of Jesus Christ. Every one of us have the ability in him to know and to see into the spirit to where we can, to, I'll say it this way, to see really all of the five senses. The same thing in the natural, uh, you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. In the spirit, you have the same thing. You can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel in the spirit. And I'm not going to go and teach on all of those. The ones were common uh, that are common to us would be like seeing and hearing in the spirit. And what happens is that when we perceive information or revelation in the spirit, then it becomes knowledge to us. Then we have a knowing of what's going on. So if you were going to go into, uh, you were going to go into a, a room, you know, you would use, if you'd never been into that room before, you would use your senses to determine what is in that room, right? You could feel your way through that room. Uh, if there was a foul odor or a good odor, you could smell what's going on in that room. You could see what's going on in that room. Um, and so that's how it works in the spirit as well. When you go into something or you step into something, you need the illumination of God to bring light, to bring perception, to bring understanding about what's going on. And that is readily available to us. It's important to understand something that God would never pray a prayer or have the Apostle Paul write prayers that we would read for however many hundreds and thousands of years. He would never have us pray a prayer that there was no potential for it to come to pass. When God says pray this or when he has somebody pray it or it's written and it's a prayer for us, it's prayed for the purpose of it actually happening, manifesting, coming to pass in our life. Amen. Amen. And so the pursuit of revelation should end once we have a full knowing of the spirit realm. Does anybody in here have a full knowing, a full knowledge, revelation of the spirit realm? So what that means is that every one of us should be in the pursuit of gaining understanding, gaining knowledge of God and of things going on in the spirit. And we do that primarily through the word of God, but it's also in conjunction with the spirit of God. It's very important because... If it's only the word and it's not the spirit, then it's just paper and ink. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible and, and what's written down here is not important. It's the most important thing. But unless the spirit of God reveals it to you, then you'll never understand it. Because see, Jesus put things, and especially when you read his parables. As a matter of fact, let's go to Matthew chapter 13. And I want to look at something here together. And this is going to be really helpful. Matthew chapter 13. And the way that Jesus phrased things, um, oftentimes, when it, you know, and I know you guys can relate to this, you read it, and it's like, oh, these are the words of Jesus, it's in red, it's amazing, and you have this high value on it, and then you read it, and you're like, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Anybody, anybody? come on now, I'll just be honest, we've all been there before. 
And there's lots of places like that in the Word. Sometimes when you read, um, I know for me, like, you know, uh, Song of Solomon. I'm like, that's, I think, Wendy, didn't you say that was your favorite book was Song of Solomon? I don't even understand that. We're going to pray for Wendy. But uh, no, I do get it. it is, it's an amazing book. But for me personally, when I read that, I'm like, what in the world? This is gushy. This is whatever. But when you have the Spirit of God breathe life on the thing that you're reading and revelation comes, that's what makes all of the difference. And so, Paul, hold your place in Matthew, all right? Hold your place in Matthew. And if we could, and just stay there, and then we're going to pull these up on the screen. I want to go to Ephesians. I want to look at two verses, and then we're going to come back to Matthew. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, and in verse 17 and 18. So Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So notice that it's not wisdom and revelation and just knowledge to where he just shows you shows you just stuff or like man's stuff or just natural human stuff. It's talking about the knowledge of him, the knowledge of God. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, the, the primary way in the natural realm that we perceive information is through our eyes. I think it's somewhere around like 70 to 80% of the information that we get from things comes uh, through our eyes. And so, you know, you could, take, you could take a chair and you could set it there. And if you had never even sat on a chair, well, probably a chair wouldn't be very good because we all know what a chair is and we've, we use them daily. But if you had some kind of object there, you could look at it and you could tell all kinds of things just by looking. You would be able to tell all kinds of things about that object. You could imagine actually what it would feel like. You could imagine um, what it would maybe sound like if you, if you hit it or, you know, whatever. I don't know. You have, we have so much information that comes through our eyes. And that's why he's saying, and that's why this language is here, because we have spiritual eyes. We have spiritual ears. Jesus said, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then this is talking about like the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And the reason is, is that if we see something spiritually, if the, if the, the, uh, the curtains are pulled back, and when you see the word and even the book of Revelation, and when you see the word revelation in the scriptures, it's the Greek word, I think I'm saying it right, apocalypto. I'm probably not saying it right, but whatever. Something like that. And it literally means a peeling back or a pulling away, like you're drawing curtains on a window to where you can see out more accurately. There's something about being able to see and perceive and getting your spiritual senses involved with what's going on that will help you in your current condition. Because see, Paul, and I, don't worry, I'm coming back to Matthew, and I'm going to come back to this too. But Paul says, uh, was it Paul? Yes, Paul to Timothy. I had to think for a second. In Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, he says, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Know this, in the last day perilous times, oh, there it is right there will come. But know this. And I think that that's really important. And I believe that we're living in possibly the last days and we're coming to the, to the end times. I, I, a lot of people say the last days are the last 2000 years and the end times are the very end of the last days. But I've also heard people say the end times are the last 2000 years and the last days are the very last of the end times. However you want to phrase it, we're coming to the end of this 2000 year season. It's drawing close. Biblical, uh, 
prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes and has been for a solid uh, 75 years. Tremendous things that are happening, things that have been happening with Israel, just all kinds of stuff happening in the world. And we need to know that in the last days that perilous times will come. And there's many things in the word that talk about that we are supposed to know. But it's not just a natural knowing. It's having the spirit of God awaken your heart, awaken your eyes to where you can see and have his perspective on things. Because I'm going to tell you something. This is, this is dire. This is crazy important. As we're facing the time that we're in, it is perilous. Would you all agree that this is perilous? We have crazy stuff going on in our world. Americans going, wait a second, this is not the America that it was even 10 years ago. Certainly 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. It is not the same place. Crazy. And stuff going on in the other parts of the world. We need to not be turned upside down and destroyed and have uh, be brought into any kind of fear or agony or anything. And I can tell you now, it's already happening. There are Christians falling by the wayside, left and right, overcome by fear. A lot of people will call things that they're doing wisdom. There can be wisdom in things that you do, and there's often a fine line between fear and wisdom. But a lot of what people have fallen into is nothing but fear. And it's because they don't realize that the time is at hand where there's a lot of perilous stuff going on and they're only looking at things from a natural, worldly perspective and they're not seeing things from God's perspective. And we have to have, we have to sharpen this ability. And you can, you have the ability. The Bible says that his sheep uh, know his voice. You know, the problem isn't hearing God's voice. Every one of you hear God's voice. But oftentimes we don't distinguish God's voice because we don't really know it like we ought to know it. This is a time, if I was ever going to encourage you, to get to know God's voice. Now is the time to increase your ability, sharpen your skill to know God's voice. So when things that are going on in the world, that are going on in the world, we don't get sucked in. You don't get sucked in to a lot of the stuff that's going on. And you also don't get hoodwinked like every, seems like everybody else is like getting sucked into things and it's like a vortex. You need to, you and I need to be able to step back and go, okay, I'm going to step up to a higher place, not in arrogance, but step up to a higher place with the Lord and say, okay, God, I want your perspective. Okay. I see what's going on here. That's really crazy important for us to do that. I think every pastor right now and in the months to come has to say these things to their people. I think that they're probably not smart if they don't say these things to, to the people. Because your job isn't to listen to me to get, your, to get all of your revelation from. And my job is not to get you uh, to follow every word that I say. My job is to minister to your soul, to bring some understanding to you, to give you some direction, but to give you things that you can go and you can increase in your personal relationship with the Lord. Because God, had, there's only one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. You and I individually have the ability to have a relationship with the Lord where we can draw into those deep wells and draw out the, the quote, deep things of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the Lord wants us to do this. And so going back to Ephesians, you're doing a great job. Thank you, sir, for following with me. Go back to Ephesians real quick, and let me hit this. And then I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1 real quick, and then back to Matthew 13. I love the word. So the eyes of your understanding be enlightened and that you may know. So enlightening brings a knowing. 
a light and lightning brings a knowing. First Peter chapter uh, one. No, it's Second Peter chapter one, isn't it? I was there this morning and I couldn't remember. It's Second Peter chapter one. It says that grace and peace are multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Him. And then it goes on to say that all things. Actually, did I give you that verse, Second Peter? I didn't give you that verse. Okay, Second Peter. I always want to quote it, and I never seem to quote it right. Can we go to Second Peter chapter one? And then we're going to come back to Ephesians, then we're going to go to Colossians, then we're going to come back to Matthew. Don't you worry. I got it under control. It's fine. Everybody say, you got it. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Someone give me the verse because I'm not flipping there fast enough. Here we go. Somebody that knows. So verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 both. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Thank you, sir. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Notice what the knowledge is of. You know the word of is very important. Of means of, out of, and from the origin of. So our knowledge needs to be of God, from God, and from the origin of God. Not your favorite TV preacher, not your fellow brother and sister, not your pastor, Your knowledge concerning spiritual things, concerning the time that we're living in, concerning anything going on in the earth, your knowledge and my knowledge needs to come from God. Amen. Look at the next verse here. This is good. This goes right along with it. In verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And you, the, the all things that pertain to life and godliness, that includes hearing his voice. If being able to see and know and hear and perceive things of the spirit is part of life and godliness, that means that you and I have the ability to know, to see, to hear, and to perceive things of the spirit, to draw out of it whatever it is that we need for the time and season that we're in. And even for the time and season that's coming, God will, God will let you peer in and peek in and see things that are coming down the pipeline. Hallelujah. So let's go to Colossians really, really quickly. Colossians, I'm done with Ephesians. Go to Colossians chapter one, and we've got this pulled up here. Colossians chapter one. Man, you are on it. It says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and, do, uh, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you know that it is smart, it is smart to know God's will. It's smart to know God's will. It's actually unsmart to not know God's will. And earlier this morning, I said S-T-U-P-I-D, and I won't say that. I shouldn't say that. But a really uh, not smart prayer (laughs) is to pray something that you have a need for, that you have a direction that you need to go, whatever it is, and to pray, Lord, if it be thy will. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 17, it says, do not be unwise, but understanding the will of the Lord. Or one translation says, understand the will of the Lord. So scripture's parallel. If it's unwise to not know the will of the Lord, then it's wise to know the will of the Lord. 
We are people that are called to know. We are supposed to know what's going on. We are supposed to not be dark concerning how the kingdom of dark, uh, the kingdom of well, darkness and the kingdom of God, both of those things. We're not supposed to be in the dark. We're supposed to have revelation. We're supposed to be the ones that have the answers. And I'm not saying that we don't have answers. We, we have a lot of answers. There are a lot of answers in this room. Lots of answers in this room. You, you actually hold the ability to solve the world's problems. All of the world's problems could be solved by all of us in here. I believe that with every, everything in me. I really, truly believe that. But there's a gap between us and the world and, so, and us being able to give them what's the answers to solve all of those world, world's problems. Amen. And so there's a lot of things that we don't know like we need to know. Because when you look at Jesus, and Jesus, he didn't do the miracles and things that he did as God. He didn't do them as God. He did them. He was God in, in, in his spirit, 100%. He was 100% God. But he did them as a man. He was the, the son of man. He was called the son of God, but he was called the son of man that referred to his flesh side. He was without sin, but he still had flesh. And you know why that's so important for us? Is because if Jesus did the miracles only as God and, and not as a man, then all we can do is look at it and say, boy, that sure was awesome what Jesus did. It sure was awesome what God did. Because he was here, you know, walking on the earth. If it was only because of his deity, it's cool, but it's not applicable to us at all. Right? I mean, it's awesome what he did. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He saw blind eyes open. I mean, the Bible records all of these things. It's, it's awesome what Jesus did. But if he only did them as God then we cannot look at the life of Jesus and say we can do the same thing. But if we believe that he did them as God and he did them as man and we're not doing the same things that Jesus is doing, this is where some deductive reasoning comes in to where we go, you know what? I think that we're missing something. No condemnation, amen, right? No condemnation. But we should be able to look at that and go, you know what, God? With no frustration, no offense, not being upset, we can just look at God and go, you know what, Lord? I think there's some things that I don't know, that I don't understand. This is what drives me and propels me to preach and teach and walk and believe and stand for miracles, for healing, for all of those things. Because I know the potential is there in the Spirit. And because the Spirit lives on the inside of us, if we can mine out the power, the anointing, the glory, the victory, and the understanding, the wisdom of God, we can see the same, not, not even just similar things, but the same things. And Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do these and even greater works. See, I read that stuff and I just get ruined because I believe it. Yeah. And, and this kind of thing that keeps me awake at night going, how am I, how, Lord, how, what do I need to know? What am I missing? What do you need to show me? Yeah. Not in frustration. I'm not mad at God. Sometimes people will pray. They won't see something happen. Every one of us have prayed in here, I guarantee you, and not seen manifestation like, like we should have. But there was something in you that knew there was a potential there because of the God on the inside of you. And I'm telling you that at the very least, part of what we need is a deeper, better knowledge of God. The way, his ways, his kingdom, those kind of things. It says that his 
thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And I can remember when I was younger, it was like, well, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. And you just don't know what's in the mind of God. I'm going to show you here in a minute. You can know exactly what's in the mind of God because the spirit on the inside of us has been given to us to reveal what's in the mind of God. Let me show you this. Did I finish reading in Colossians? I didn't. Look here. Thank you, Jesus. Again, look, spiritual understanding, the verse 9. Not just understanding, but a spiritual understanding that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Imagine if we were possessed with the will of God like Jesus was possessed with the will of God. I will be totally honest and transparent. I'm not there yet. But I'm also not content with where I have been and where I am. I'm pressing forward. I'm moving forward. I, I like how Brother Andrew says it. He said, I hadn't arrived. Or I, let's see. I hadn't arrived, but I've left. Praise God. I have not arrived but I have left. I've made the determination. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to continue increasing in the knowledge of God and wisdom and spiritual understanding. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know what that, you know what that looks like? You come to a certain level of knowledge, you bear fruit, but then you don't stop there. You increase. You know what happens when people stop? When they, when they have a certain revelation from God, they bear fruit, and then they stop. You know what happens? They start a denomination. <laughs> so true. It's true. I'm not against denominations, but I'm against stopping the work of God in our hearts and what he's doing with us. Because you'll find that most denominations, and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of spirit-filled churches and churches that are... Um, you know, they would call themselves non-denominational, whatever. They're just basically a denominational church saying that they're not a denominational church. Because, again, what a denomination does is they get, a, they get a hold of something. And they're like, man, we've got this thing figured out. And most of them genuinely have something figured out. Somebody got a revelation about something from God. And it was a great thing that God revealed to them. But then they build their entire everything around that. Last time I checked, Israel camped around the presence. I just want to stay camped around the presence and the person of Jesus and the word of God. Let's just stay there in everything that he wants to feed us as we're camped around him. Let's take that and grow and increase in fruit. And then once we've increased, then we're just going to increase in the knowledge of God more. And you know what's going to happen after that? We're going to increase in more fruit. And when we increase in more fruit, you know what we're going to do? We're going to increase in the knowledge of God all the way until the time to where we die. And then one day we get a new glorified body and then we won't need to gain knowledge anymore because it says that when that which is perfect has come, it says that prophecy will cease, tongues will cease, and knowledge will cease. That doesn't mean that we'll cease to know things. It just means that we'll cease having to try to gain knowledge and understanding revelation so that we can know things. Does that make sense? There's going to come a point when we don't need to learn anymore, but today is not that day. You know, a disciple, another way of phrasing what a disciple is, is a learned one. One who's learning. So if we're calling ourselves disciples of Jesus, it means that we've postured our heart 
at a place to say, Lord, I am here and I want you to teach me and I am going to learn. I am allowing your spirit to teach me. The Lord, he does not force anybody to learn. He doesn't force anybody to learn. That's our choice. But what a privilege to have the spirit of God, God almighty to teach us anything that we need or want to know. He's so amazing. Hallelujah. All right, let's go back to Matthew. I, I was going to get all this in one night and I was just, I spent 10 minutes praying in my office before I came down. And the Lord said, no, sir, you need to slow down. And, and he wants me to hit some things. And so I'm going to end up hitting a lot more next week because I'm getting close to my time being up. Thank you all. You all are doing great. And I pray you're getting blessed by this. So Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10, Jesus had just given the parable of uh, the parable of the sower, and he talked about uh, going out and sowing seed and falling on the different types of ground. And then in verse 10, and this is very important. See, I, even if I find one passage in the Bible and it's not anywhere else, I consider it a very, very important because it's in the Bible. It's God's word. But when you find something in three places, the Lord's trying to get our attention about something. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the same account recorded here. And in verse 10, it says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, now this, listen, you can read, sometimes we need to stop and really think about what we're reading. He says to this, because it has, he didn't address them, the, the, the people out there, the non-disciples, he addressed the disciples first. He said, Lord, why do you speak to them in parables? And then Jesus, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It has been given to you. Anywhere you see any of his disciples in the word disciple or anything, you can stick your, your name right in there. You can stick your person right in there because it applies to you. You and I are disciples of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so when he's saying, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, and we could go down the line and we could list every single person in this room. Those of you that are watching online and every person in this room, we could go down the line and we could honestly say, it has been given to you and to you and to you and everybody to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That's why he speaks in parables, which when I you know, was first started studying this passage, I'm like, you basically, Jesus, you answered your question and you defeated the purpose of my question because when you speak, I don't have a cotton picking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so, because if you want me to know the mysteries of the kingdom, why can't you just speak plain to me? You ever had that conversation with the Lord? Come on. When you read the word, this is how, this is how the word is to me. Not just the parables, but almost all of the word. You read it and you're like, what the heck did I just read and the more you read it, the less you say that. But especially when you're just starting off reading, you're like, what did, I, what did I just read? But then all of a sudden you stick with it and you keep your heart before the Lord because you want to know. Revelation comes and you get excited because you know something. He gets excited because you spent the time with him getting to know what he had to tell you. God cares more about the journey than he does the end result. He cares more about you running the race than you getting across the finish line. He cares more about us seeking him for revelation, just in general seeking him, than anything else. He's, he's very concerned about relationship with us. 
And so the only way, the only way you and I can understand even the basic things of the kingdom of God is for the spirit of God to reveal it to us. It's in, we, none of us, the smartest person in the world. As a matter of fact, you can go and you look at some of the, the knuckleheads doing the knuckleheaded things. That's my phrase to be able to just peel back and be nice and not say what I'm really thinking. That's acceptable. Knuckleheads doing knuckleheaded things. And they're some of the most, quote, intelligent people in the world. But they're, they're just not that intelligent. Because, you know, you have, for example, you got, you got Harvard. What used to be a seminary, it started as a seminary to train ministers to preach the gospel throughout uh, uh, America and the world. It's now one of the most liberal, leftist, messed up schools that there is. They're ch the head of their chaplains. Did I tell you guys this, guys this already? I'm going to say it even if I did, because this just blows my mind. The head of their whole chaplain deal. He's over, I think I read like 100 or 200 chaplains, but don't quote me on that. But definitely the guy they made the head over the whole chaplain society or section of, of Harvard. I don't know if it was just the law school or if it was all over Harvard. I'm not, I'm not sure. But the guy that was ahead of that, he's an atheist. Exactly. Blah. Are you kidding me? Atheist? I mean, the whole idea of a chaplain is taking people within that organization and connecting them to God, the creator. How can you be an atheist and connect people to a God that you don't believe in? <laughs> Knuckleheads doing knuckleheaded things. You can have the most intelligent people in the world not understand the most. And I have compassion for them. I just don't have a lot of compassion for the... <laughs> The ignorance, the, the stupidity, let's just call it what it is. Uh, if you don't have God helping you, you can't even understand those things. But you know, you can take, you can take the most simple-minded uh, country bumpkin who probably didn't make it past the third grade, who can, have the who can have the deepest revelations. You raise your hand, not me. You can have the de <laughs> deepest revelations concerning the Lord, his word, and the things of the spirit, because it doesn't matter how smart you are, it matters who you're connected to. <laughs> you're connected to God. He can reveal anything and wants to reveal anything and everything to you. Let me go on and read this a little bit more. You guys, can you guys handle seven more minutes? It says, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him therefore i speak to them in parable parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear and and uh, nor do they understand and in them they prophesy um, the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of the people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. It sounds to me like God doesn't want them to have anything. It says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears. And he's speaking to the disciples here. And your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. 
And the parable goes on, and I'm not going to read any more beyond that. But the deal is, is that Jesus, the reason he said all this is because he didn't want people. Listen to me now. This is crazy important. He did not want anybody to read the scriptures and to come to some kind of mental knowledge or mental assent as if they've really grasped God. It was his design and his, his intention always that people's hearts would be before the Lord and allow God to pour into them. As soon as we step back from communing with the Lord, we have lost the ability to understand anything really. But praise God that he's always there. He doesn't ever leave us or forsake us and doesn't hold our, our stuff against us. But when we step back into that place of fellowshipping with the Lord, which is just a simple, it's one step. I love our, I saw this one time, I heard this just recently, that, you know, you might have been walking away from the Lord for like a thousand steps or a million miles or something like that, but it's only one step to get back in the relationship with him. And I thought, I like that. I like that. Because most of us in this, most Christians in the world can relate to that. We've had, we've had days or months or weeks or whatever where we've just, we've hardened ourselves. We've become offended. We've become prideful. We've become whatever. And we stop going to the place back in relationship and in fellowship with the Lord and allowing him to reveal more to us. And there could be a number of reasons why people do that, but people are funny and they do that. But God's so gracious for us to step back into that place for him to continue to reveal things to us. And this is what I want to do. I'm at a good stopping point and I have much more that I want to share. And I actually have a great place that I'm going to take you to, but I'm, I'm out of time. And I want to really be able to minister to you next week concerning this and give you some things I'm telling you that are going to really, really help you. It's one thing to know that there are mysteries and know we need to get them. It's another thing to understand and know how to use the tools that God has given you to get those mysteries, to tap into those things, to get the revelation from the Lord. And that's what we're after. If we have revelation about something, anything, which again, God wants to give us, it will change everything about our life. Everything about our life. Would you guys just stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. And I'm just going to pray for you and bless you before we close tonight. That the things that were spoken, and, and I can tell you now, I know, I know the anointing. And there's an anointing on what I was saying in specific to just lodge this on the inside of you and ruin you. My goal tonight, and I could have said this from the beginning, my goal tonight was to ruin you from ever trying to be uh, mediocre or normal anymore. Amen. We want to be excellent in the area of seeking the Lord for revelation, constantly breaking the barrier of mediocrity. We don't want to be mediocre when it comes to what we know. And listen, knowledge, including revelation knowledge, can puff up. This isn't about, this isn't about uh, coming to a place to where, you know, we're, we just know so much that we can just, you know, quote these Bible verses and impress people. This is about us being strong in the Lord. This is about knowing what God wants us to know. This is about having the curtains peeled back. And you know, the thing is, think about this. The Bible says that Jesus is the anointed one. Who in here believes that Jesus is the anointed one? Let me just see a show of hands. You believe that. Okay, let me ask you this question. Who in here believes that the spirit of the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus because they're, they're, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one and the same. Who believes that? Who in here believes that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you? Let me see. So, so by just some simple logic, 
we can conclude that the anointed one lives. His spirit lives on the inside of us. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. You know why whenever, and I, I'm, and some people are like, well, never mind. Anyways, it gets oversung, reckless love, but it really doesn't ever get oversung. Because there's a part in the song, I think it's the bridge, where it says, uh, no shadow, he won't light up. No, he won't climb up. I can sing the song if I got a guitar, but if I'm standing here, I can. What are the lyrics? Help me out. No mountain you won't climb up. Coming down. No lie he won't. No lie he won't kick down. No wall he won't kick down. No lie he won't tear down. Coming after me. All right. So there are. We went through a season in our life where that that song, what we were dealing with things personally, and God got in our business. He got all up in our business with this business. I know how to say business, all right? He's like, I don't know why I said this. But he got all up in our business. And he ruined us in a good way. Sometimes it's good. When what you believe and what you think is wrong, it's good to be ruined. When God ruins you, it's good to be ruined. And we came to this place to where the things we were believing and the measure and the, the scope of what we were operating in, God just tore that stuff down. And he had to deal with personal things with us and our marriage and personal heart issues and stuff. And every time we sing that song, it's not just like, no mountain you won't climb up. Dun -dun -dun -dun. It's like, oh my God, we know this is true because we experienced it firsthand. And so we've got this thing in us, and that song's special to us, but we've got this thing in us that we want to see other people step into a place and come into a place to where they will allow the Lord to knock anything down, to tear anything down, to remove any lie that they've been living by, any bondage that's been holding them back. And if we can get revelation in any area, revelation is light. And when light comes in, darkness cannot stay. We know this. When you walk into a room and you flip the light on, darkness cannot stay. They cannot coincide. Darkness and light cannot coincide together. I thought I was done preaching, but I have to tell you this. I have one minute, so you be nice, all right? I got one minute. They can't coincide together. And what we need is the light of the gospel. We need the light of the glorious gospel, of his presence of his illumination to be shown in the areas of darkness to break us out of the things that have been binding us. The Bible says in John chapter 1, and I think it's verse 5, it says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it, which means not just that it doesn't understand it, but that it literally cannot seize or overtake or lay hold of the light because the light is more powerful, is greater than any shred of darkness. So if there is any form of, uh, of sickness, if there's any form of sin, if there's any form of bondage, if there's any form of curse, if there's any form of problem that is in you or in your family or in your bloodline or in your household, all of it gets eliminated by the light of God, by the revelation of God being shed, and boom, all of a sudden you are out of the thing that was once held, kept you held bound for five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. All of a sudden your entire world gets changed because revelation came to you. The devil had nothing to hold against you and you no longer stay in that place anymore because you are free because light came, because revelation came. <laughs> 
That's how you defeat the devil. That's how you defeat him. He's a, he is cyclical. You know what that means? I'm taking an extra two minutes. He is cyclical. I promise you, I'm about ready to end because I'm going somewhere for next week. It's going to be awesome. He keeps people in cycles like this. Like a bunch of crazy people. Like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep thinking this? Why do I keep going back to this problem? Why do I keep having this issue? Why do we keep fighting? <laughs> why do I keep being offended? You can ask these questions about all these things that keep going on in your life. And then once truth comes, because it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth doesn't set anyone free unless they know it. You have to know the truth. Then you'll be set free. But that's how it works because truth is, is light. And when light comes in, it shines light on that nasty cycle that the devil keeps you in. It breaks that cycle and then sets you on a path to where you walk in God's light in that area. No, no longer bound by what was keeping you bound any longer. Man, I'm telling you what, I could just, I could preach for seven hours on this. This is just so incredible because we've experienced it. Most of these people you see sitting here, they've experienced it. And you know what? A lot of you have experienced it. And you know what? A lot of us and us, all of us, we need to experience greater measures of this. We need more. We need to walk in more freedom. We need to increase in the knowledge of God. We need to increase in revelation because the freer we are of self, the freer we are of the demonic cycles <laughs> the greater impact we're going to have in this world, the greater impact we're going to have in our families, the greater impact we're going to have with everything that God's called us to. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.